Hi, everyone. Welcome to Building Astropad. I'm Matt Rungi, and today I've got a special guest on, Tausif Hussein, who is a YouTuber, and we're going to dive into his process behind and how he got started and all sorts of things behind that as well. So we originally came across his videos when he covered our product, Luna Display, and as I was clicking around, checking out his videos, he has some amazing, amazing videos. Love the stuff he does. And really thought, oh, we got to talk to this guy to find out more about his creative process. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Really appreciate it. It's an uh, honor to be here. I've been using AstroPad for a while now, <laughs> as you saw in some of my <laughs> That's videos. Awesome. So, I mean, it's good. It's good. It's, it's contributed to some of my most popular videos. So it's a good relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we love your videos. You sent a bunch of people our way. And then as I was just checking it out, I just loved a lot of the stuff you're doing. I love the intros you do. I love the skits you do or the music and the intros you do that are, are, are really, really cool. And also, I know they're not as popular, it didn't look like, but I love your videos on the filmmaking. Mm, mm, Those yes. were super cool to learn more about your process and the equipment you use. For sure. And that's something I definitely want to do more of. But like you said, like it's just like discovering that fine balance. Like, I mean, I, I have like so little time in order to do these things. So it's like, well, if I have like a week to dedicate to a video, do I do something which I know will do somewhat well? Or do I do something that, you know, that I'm interested in that moment? And a lot of times I try to merge those two together. And, and I guess I'll get into that more when we talk about my process. But yeah, yeah. I'd love I'd love to get into that. Let's first start, though. I'd love to hear about your background and where you're from and where you live. For sure. Yeah. So I was actually born in India. And after that, I never really lived there. So I never really had the pleasure of knowing like the country that well. After I was born, my dad got a job in Dubai. So we moved to Dubai. We were living there for about like eight years or so. And then I moved to Canada when I was in grade three. And then ever since then, I've just been we've been growing up here in Canada, in Toronto, around Toronto area. So that's pretty much been most of my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And what's your what's your background? I saw that you're also an accountant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that is actually like, I guess that's technically my nine to five. That's that's my background. So the thing with that is growing up, like I guess I was always like in a like my environment was always very risk averse. So it was always like, you know, like my friends, everybody were like, you know what, let's let's what, what's like a solid job that we can get and we settle down and everything like that. And everything kind of pointed towards like business because I wasn't interested in anything else. I wanted to kind of do entrepreneurship and business and stuff like that. But even within business, I wanted to do marketing, but marketing's like people say it's not as safe as accounting. Accounting is more safer. So they like pushed me towards accounting. So I ended up just kind of just, I didn't know what to do. So I just went with the flow. I did my accounting. I got my degree. And after that, I worked for some firms that they call the big four firms. So I got like, I started working with them. I did public audit. I did tax consulting, a whole bunch of stuff. So I worked there. I got my chartered accountancy de designation as well. So I did my CA exams. So I, I went in pretty deep. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, been... that's, I mean, that's serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My sister was an accountant for a while too. So I know yeah. <laughs> a little bit of what you're talking about. Not all of it, but yeah, it's pretty deep. So it's like, you could either do accounting and just kind of stop there and then just do your thing. But or you could get like a designation. It's kind of like a CFA or like a CA designation where you get more deeper into it. So I did all of that. And for the past so many years, like I'm still right now working as a financial strategist for a company here in Toronto. So that's... Okay, great. So that's the nine to five then as the accountant yes. and the midnight oil Yeah, as the, well, that's tech the... and many, many, I don't want to say just tech YouTube, yeah. but 
yeah. YouTube on top of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. Trying to find that few hours here and there in my day to try to work on this stuff. So, yeah. And how did you get into YouTube? How did it all start? So like I was always kind of, so I was always interested in tech, not necessarily cameras, filmmaking or anything like that. I was always interested in tech from a young age. I always wanted like the latest phones and I would always like read blogs about it. I would watch like videos about it, but it wasn't like, I never thought that I would be somebody who could do like videos on my own. Like, and I was pretty creative. I had like crazy ideas, crazy visuals and stuff like that in my mind, but I never thought of picking up a camera, but it con it got to a point where where I was doing this finance gig and anybody who knows like the whole like chartered accountancy route, like when you're doing it, when you're working for like big four consulting firms, your hours are insane. Like I was mm -hmm. working from mm -hmm. like 7 a.m. to like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. at night, right? It was it was brutal. So you probably know with like. Yeah, that's why my my sister left the field. She's a teacher yeah. now. <laughs> Oh, so much better. <laughs> yeah, it was the the hours were the hours were too much. Yeah, she, she's one of the lucky ones. She got out. That's that's <laughs> yeah. great. <laughs> it's kind of like lawyers too. I always hear with like the big the big law firms. I've heard an expression like everybody's trying to figure out how to get in, and then once you get in, you realize all the lawyers are trying to figure out how to get out. How to get out. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So it was like I was at that point, and then there were so many days where I'm just sitting there staring outside of my cubicle thinking like, man, like, is this, is this really what I want to do? Like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And like, what happened to like the entrepreneurship zeal and everything that I had? Like, so I started brainstorming, like, what could I do? So I like tech, maybe like, you know, I like being creative. I like telling stories. How could I merge those two? And the only thing that I could think of at that point was maybe I could just start filming some YouTube videos and see where that goes. And I, didn't know anything about cameras. I didn't know anything about filmmaking. And this was about three and a half years or four years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, how many years ago was this? Yeah. Okay, three, four years ago. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So, like 20 or 2017, maybe? Yeah, around there. Around there. Yeah, around 2017, I'd say. So, I started picking, I picked up a camera. At that point, I was watching a lot of Casey Neistat. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Hard not to know. Yeah. OGs, one of, one of the originals, oh, absolutely. right? Absolutely. So he kind of paved the way for like, so I was so motivated watching him and I was like, man, this is great stuff. Like I want to do this. So that's where I guess like my mind intersected with tech and like, you know, Casey and watching all of that. And I wanted to do something of my own, bought a camera, filmed like a couple of vlogs or something like that and had a lot of fun doing it. And it was real, it was really fun. And then I thought, you know what? I like tech. Why don't I start doing more tech stuff? So I started delving into tech and that's where it all began. I kind of just learned bit by bit like still now like i'm so tempted to unlist some of my oldest videos because they're so cringe like i'm like in my basement oh no it's lighting. great don't do it don't do it don't yeah, do it I, don't I do it I don't do it because you know what's great about it is like to go like i saw some of your earlier videos and just to see how much you've improved from like your latest videos to some of those earlier ones. 100%. It's incredible. And it's also, I think, motivating to others that want to get into it. It's like, you don't just start out the gate. Exactly. Making these like beautiful videos with these amazing intro shots synced with the music. Like it just, it's taken years. It takes right? time. It sounds yeah. like it's taken yeah. tons yeah. of time to figure out. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And it was really tough because I kind of, when I started, I had my second kid. So I had two kids then, and I'm working these crazy hours. So literally the only pockets of time I had was like my commute from here to like, like downtown Toronto was about an hour on the train. 
So that hour going into Toronto and that hour coming out of Toronto to home, those two hours, everybody would go up to the silent zone and they would knock out, like everyone would be snoring around me. I'm like, this is the time, this is the only hours I have. So I would kind of sit there and that's when I would do my editing and you know planning and kind of like orchestrating what I wanted to do with this brand and how I wanted to build it. And then when I get home, it's like kids time, family time until the kids and everyone go to sleep. The wife goes to sleep at like 10, 10, 30, 11. And then I pick it up again and then kind of work for a few hours. And that was kind of my life for, well, has been my life for quite some time now. Wow. That's an incredible work ethic right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about sleep? Are you just, you're just running on, you can just run on less. Honestly, I guess like it comes to a point where, and I think this is, this is the differentiator is like, you got to be passionate about what you want to do. Right. And when you're passionate about it, like everything just kind of just fits together. Right. Like you start you start actually, instead of having to set alarms, like you wake up on your own, right? Like you, instead of like having to carve out time and decide, okay, do I want to play like video games or go outside and chill? Or do I want to work on my stuff, right? When you're passionate about it, you're going to make the decision where you actually want to work on your stuff. So it kind of, and that's what, like, I think my social life took a big hit because it was either like something had to go, right? Sure. It was either mm -hmm. family time with kids, wife time, or work, which was not compromisable. And yeah, so my social life took a big hit, but you got you got to be okay with taking something off your plate yeah. in order to yeah. put something yeah. else yeah. in. Can't have it all. Yeah. Exactly. No, that makes, well, and I was going to ask you, what kept you motivated in the beginning? And it sounds like, yeah, just that passion for... for yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? I always tell people that ask me, I'm like, if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know what you're passionate about, do what you don't like, like do what you hate. So me sitting in that cubicle doing a desk job where I, frankly, I just wasn't that interested in, that really motivated me. So every time I'd go to work, I'd be like, okay, this is this is why I want to do what I want to do. And then and then that would kind of push me towards doing doing this. And then when I would be on the train ride back home, I'm like, oh, I just remember the last eight hours, nine hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be doing that, right? So that's a great motivator, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. And in those early years, how did you get your initial traction? Was it slow growth or was there anything that really helped you spike out of the gate? So honestly, my biggest struggle has always been consistency. I'm a little better with it now, but like initially, at least when I started for the first three years, like for the last year, I've been somewhat good with it. For the first three years, I was putting out like, like, a video every month, every two months, sometimes I would put out a video, like it was very sporadic. And it was whenever I could find time. And the thing is, I didn't want to do just regular videos where I just sit down and talk. I always wanted to do like lots of like, like a skit or like some like lots of b-roll and nice fancy shots. And for me to find time for that, I'd have to wake up at like 4am before work or work on a weekend, which was a big no no for my wife. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had to try to find that find that time to actually film. So that's why it took so long. But I think it was just consistently for the past three years, kind of just laying down that foundation. I was kind of researching, okay, what videos would I be interested in? Honestly, I didn't even do much research into what would do well on YouTube. It was more so, okay, what, what am I interested in? And I think the biggest focus that I had was how can I make this different? Because there's so many people like putting out content on tech, putting out content on YouTube in general, right? And it's like, there, there has to be a differentiating factor, right? And for me, it was, okay, well, I like doing creative stuff. 
I like, you know, I like storytelling. So how can I mold that into my tech? And I think that's that, I guess, at least from what I hear from my audience, that was a big differentiator for why people sub to my channel was because they liked the fact that, you know, I had like cool cinematic shots, but not only did I have shots, I would have like voiceover and like a story and like, I'd make up like a dramatic random story half the time. Like, you know, it's uh, yeah. Like, some of, over the some of them are pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah there's so <laughs> over the top and ridiculous i'm like literally yeah. laughing out loud at some of the stuff yeah like even your most your your most recent one i love the intro i think it was your most recent one where you're looking at ipad covers or ipad cases yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah. building it up like this big thing and you're like how yeah. am i going to decide what it was yeah. just it's, it's great yeah mixed with the, as you said with the great shots and you always find a great soundtrack to go with it too. Yeah. Like whole, yeah. And the then the fact. humor aspect is huge yeah. too. Like you got to have some bit, a bit of humor, but I think like, it's just got to be natural. Like you can't force it. Right. So it's got to be like part, part, just natural. Like I know some people like use like, so when they're filming videos, they use like, I forgot what it's called, but it's like, it reads out your lines to you. So you can kind of, Oh, like, teleprompter, teleprompter. There you go. I wanted to ask you about this too. If you did use a teleprompter, how you do the script in general. So you yeah. don't use a teleprompter then. I've tried it. I've tried it before and I found it extremely limiting for my personality to come out. So I tried it for a couple of videos. It felt very robotic to me. So I kind of, I, I just stopped doing it, but I know it would save me a, like a whole bunch of time because then I would just read it out and I don't have to like go through like 30 minutes of footage of me like rambling about something. Right. So, so yeah, like, I mean, it's a trade-off. So how do you do it now? Do you write out a script ahead of time or do you do bullet points? What's your preferred way to do it? Yeah, so my preferred way to do it is firstly, I I ran like my idea generation is very sporadic. Like my kids will wake up at like 3am to use the bathroom or something. I'll take them to the bathroom. And then I'll be walking outside of the bathroom. And then suddenly an idea will hit and I'll be like, Oh, crap. Okay, I got to note this down. So then I'll go to the side and I'll, I'll like, I'll start jotting it down. My wife will wake up at like 4am. She's like, what are you doing awake? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I had an idea. And she's like, Oh, she goes back to bed, right? So it's like very sporadic. But the thing is, as soon as I get that, like that jolt of an idea for like an intro or for like a video, I have to note it down. So once I note it down, the problem with me is I can't kind of detach myself from it. So I'll end up just doing like pretty much a script, but not really like jot notes of like points that I want to hit or like some intro shots that I want to do. So I'll spend like a solid like hour or whatnot, how much ever time I need to kind of jot that down. So I kind of then use those jot notes to come up with like, okay, what kind of bureau shots am I going to have? So I kind of come up with like a shot, shot list. So if I'm talking about like these ports, then like a shot of the ports, how do I want to show it? So I kind of just imagine all of that, put it down on paper. Once it's all done on paper, then finding that time to actually film it. I'll film the A roll, I'll film the B roll. And yeah, once I have all of that, then it's just a matter of finding those few minutes here and there, pockets of time to try to edit it all together. And what do you use for editing? What's your software stack look like? Or oh, device use... even for that matter? <laughs> like what device are you editing on? What do you like to use? Like what's your yeah. editing process look like? Yeah, so my editing has always been dependent on Macs because I use Final Cut Pro. So because of that, I've always been, so I've traditional for the longest time I was using the 16 inch MacBook Pro from like the Intel chipset. But recently, as soon as the M1 chipsets came out yeah, from Apple. Yeah, so I kind of switched to those and I've been using the M1 MacBook Pro for the past, ever since it came out, I think like eight months or six months. But yeah, that's pretty much been my workflow. So I use Final Cut Pro. I use Apple Notes to jot down all my ideas. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Final Cut Pro. Nice, nice. Any other tools that you use for yeah, part I use, of the process? I use Lightroom and Photoshop as well for like the thumbnails and whatnot. 
Oh, sure. Yep. So yeah, so once I take the photos, I kind of put them into Lightroom, do the editing and adjustments and stuff like that, then Photoshop to do whatever layerings I need to do. And then yeah, and then uh, like, because with YouTube, your thumbnail and your title is equally as important as literally the entire video you shot. Because if people do not click on that title and thumbnail, then you're not going to get that view. Nobody's going to see that video, right? So one of the biggest metrics on YouTube is your click-through rate. And it's, mm. are people actually clicking on your video to see? So title, thumbnail, huge. And what have you found has worked really well for you? So for me, I like keeping it simple. So I like, so I will say just like, you know, my M1 Mac setup, portable power, right? Rather than saying, oh, you know, use a portable charger on my M1 Mac, right? Which I, I don't know, maybe I'll experiment with that and see how that works as well. But until now, keeping it simple has kind of worked for me. Also, I love using superlatives. So I'll be like best or like the ultimate desk setup, right? And I think stuff like that kind of works well. But for my thumbnails, I like keeping it simple. I usually don't do like flashy over the top stuff, which technically I should be doing because that that's what works best on YouTube. Like you're talking about like somebody's face and like a crazy expression, <laughs> yeah. like that kind of like stuff. Like a crazy expression. Yeah, like, Whoa, blown away. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Next to the video. And like the popping You won't believe it. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy colors. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, yours is different though, which is nice. You get so tired of that same aesthetic everywhere, the crazy faces. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of nice to see. I'm looking at yours right now. You know, how did you learn marketing? Like, you're obviously really good at it. Like, <laughs> marketing your videos. And you talked about earlier, which like wanting to make sure you did something different, that your videos were different, which is also something like I've preached a ton in like the app space and like the both the hardware and the app space. Actually, that's why this Luna I'm holding is red. <laughs> Right. Oh, it yeah. looks different than choice. everything else out there. Right? 100%. So you see it and you're like, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. Right. Because mm -hmm. usually it'll be black. Right? It'll be black. It if it's in. Apple, it'll be white, you know, or maybe it'll be like some kind of aluminum finish or something exactly. to match. It all looks the same. You know, this would be invisible if this thing was black. 100%. You know? Yeah. It was so we Plus, this matches our brand color. So, yeah. And plus, even the shape's not just like a square, like USB type shape, right? It's a little different. It's got like those angles and everything. It was the kind of the antithesis of what Apple would design. It was like Apple's always like simple shape, simple. And it was like, oh, this kind of crazy geometric. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're not going to do this, right? It's going to yeah. look different. How did you learn that kind of stuff? Are you just natural at it? Or have you picked it up along the way? Yeah. Like, I guess, to be quite honest, like, I, I didn't go to school for it or anything. Like, I studied accounting. And yeah, it was just kind of kind of just picking it up as I go. Kind of just like, I asked myself a lot of times, what would I like to see, right? Like if I'm watching something, what would I like to see? And more than half the times, it's somebody who is humorous, somebody who is willing to do jokes, has good production value, doesn't need to be high level production value, even just decent production value. And, you know, just gets me the information without repeating themselves too many times straight to the point. So I kind of just try to emulate that into my actual videos in terms of like the shots and like the marketing and everything like that. It's just, I guess, just kind of learning as I go. No, that's quite a, it's quite a right. I know how it goes. I mean, the other thing I wanted to ask you now is, I mean, you built an incredible following on YouTube. I mean, you're up to almost 40,000 subscribers now, which, you know, an aspiring YouTuber would kill for, right? Like that's, that's really substantial. Like, what do you think has been the biggest milestones for you? The biggest help in, in getting to where you are today? 
Also, when you say it's a big number for me, it just seems so small. But like, I mean, you're right. Like when I first started out, like, you know, a hundred subs or a thousand subs was like a huge deal for me. Right. And I guess you forget Uh, that. Yeah, I totally get you. You know, the milestones keep moving. The number you're after, you know, yeah, of course, there's people on YouTube with like millions, but still 40,000 people that subscribe to watch your videos that want to see all your videos like that's. Yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> incredible. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's crazy, especially when you think about it, like, okay, like 40,000 people in a room kind of watching like a video of yours, like that kind of blows mm-hmm. my mind. So I try to picture Yeah, that's that like a, a stadium full of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's mean, pretty crazy. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to, you know, it reminds me of another thing that I was telling our, our team at Astropad, the scale of YouTube as well. It's like really easy to forget. I remember we got covered by there was one video and the number of views it had, it was, it was like astonishing. It was like in the millions. It wasn't our video, it was some, somebody else's. I remember looking up like, oh, how many people watch the Super Bowl? Or how many people watch Major League Baseball, the World Series, right? And you think of like these major brands that have commercials on it. And then you look up the number of people and those numbers are in line with... Anyway, so what I was saying is it's, it's easy to to forget the scale of YouTube. And this still blows my mind. I remember talking to our team at Astropad about some videos that covered us that had millions and millions of views and trying to put that in context compared to what that would mean. And you think of like these major events, like at least here in the US, like the Super Bowl or the World Series, right? And you're like, major brands pay big money to advertise on this. Like, what is the reach of that? And you look up the number of people that watch like, Super Bowl commercials. And <laughs> there's a lot of YouTube videos that generate just as much, you know, like I think for the last Super Bowl, it was like 5 million people. And it's crazy to see the number of views on, on YouTube with some of these videos and how, how many are actually like beyond that. You're like, whoa, like this person's channel has a bigger reach than the Super Bowl. It's like, what? You know, it's, it just blows my mind still. 100%. And the thing is, and that. the fact that in fact, like what you get through YouTube is also for businesses that's trackable, right? Like you can yeah, actually see like, like, for example, if they're using like an affiliate link or something, you can actually track how well your ad has done versus with like Super Bowl and stuff like people are just watching it on TV. They're not going to pull, pull out their phones, go to the website, buy whatever you're trying to sell. Like it's not trackable. You don't know how many people have actually seen it. Do people just have it, the TV running while they're gone to grab food? So, I mean, there's so many more benefits as well, to, like, you know, through this way. And not even to mention the niches too, where like, okay, you know, we were saying like your, your YouTube channel, it's like a stadium full of people, right? It's like the twin stadium here, the baseball team here in Minneapolis, like if they packed their stadium, which it's never <laughs> that packed, but if it was right, like that's yeah. the number of people and you do, you know, like it would cost you a ton of money to advertise there and you're going to get all sorts of people that are potentially not interested, interested in, in it. yeah. Versus like your 40,000 are like really obviously really interested in tech and gadgets and filmmaking and those sorts of things. It's like, I don't know, it's still YouTube, YouTube blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and the quicker brands are like discovering the power of it, like I think like people are slowly coming on to it and soon, you know, like, yeah, I hope it doesn't get saturated with with everybody trying to come over on YouTube now. But I think there's a lot, there's a lot of creators. So there's like a lot of people on the platform. So, I mean, it's very diverse. So I think things a good place to be. You know, I've never looked for it. I'd love to see like a breakdown on like 
you know, creators on YouTube and the number of subscribers they have, you know, I'm sure it's, it falls off really, really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. what is like the top 1% or the top 5%? Yeah. I don't know if you have any idea what that looks like. Yeah, I, I know like the top 1% are like over like several million followers. Okay. And then after that, it's like hundred, like between like the hundreds of thousands and then like the 10,000s and, and then yeah, like a whole bunch of people, like vast majority are below like, you know, 10,000 subs or 1,000 yeah. subs. So. Yeah, a hundred, hundred subs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very long tail of probably. <laughs> well, where are you looking to take your YouTube channel? Honestly, like for me, I want to treat this more so like a brand. So I have like YouTube as like one part of what I want to do. There's like so many different things that I kind of want to do. I want to like, you know, eventually start like I have ideas for like different products. So product lines, you know, different sort of like apparel company. And these are all not directly related to my YouTube channel, but I would love to use my YouTube channel as a platform to help promote all of these things. So I'm just building that. And eventually I want to get to a point where I'm able to build like a team of maybe content creators and stuff like that. So I have like oh, a whole bunch awesome. of ideas. Yeah. 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 That I kind of want to put on paper, but no, def definitely. I, I, I definitely want this to be a large part of my future. And I mean, I'm at the point now, like, and people ask me, they're like, Hey, is it like, are you even able to like, you know, make decent money off of it? Like, I mean, when I hit 30,000 subs, I was already making close to the same amount that I was making my full-time job. Oh, and wow. And that is, yeah, like, and, but that that's the thing, right? Like there's a huge dichotomy of this where a lot of people with like 100,000 subs are still not able to figure out how to, you know, how to monetize this well. I guess me coming from a business background, that was helpful. So I was able to kind of learn about how I can diversify my income streams, how to play that to my strength. And then I kind of set all of that up right from the get-go, which really helped me quite a bit. And I think that's that's the key. Like if you do want to go like, you know, start a YouTube channel and go full-time into something like that or build like a brand that way, then you got to keep that in mind. How much of it then comes from, so it sounds like you've, as you said, you have multiple income streams, you've built yeah. it in multiple, in multiple ways. I mean, I think typically those of us that aren't as familiar with YouTube just think like, oh, YouTube paying you, right? Like the ads from, how much of it comes from that? And like, how much does a typical creator rely on just the, the YouTube commissions? Yeah. Honestly, for most people, including myself, like AdSense is probably like less than 10% of like oh, your wow. YouTube income, right? Okay. It's it's very minimal because if you're relying just on AdSense, like you're not going to make it. It's very tough. And I think that's where like one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people getting to YouTube make. They think that, okay, AdSense is everything. And once they don't see that, you know, churning out as much as they need to, to like pay rent, then they're like, okay, no, this is not for me and they yeah, leave. it's not going to work. Yeah. So like the important thing is you kind of have to understand, okay, what are different things I can do? So for example, just, you know, spitballing here, there's so many different avenues you can take where like you can set up like affiliate incomes, like affiliate incomes was a huge one for me. And granted, it might not be for everybody. Like it comes with, like, for example, people have to like, so what I've done, tried to do best with is get people to you know, like build that trust factor, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So if people don't trust you, if people don't think you're genuine, then they're not going to, you know, support you or buy stuff from you or use your links or anything like that, right? And you have to build that by giving up a lot of things. Like I gave up a lot of brand, like brands that came to me, wanted to do stuff, but I, I didn't do it because just wasn't a fan of the brand or didn't believe in the product, checked it out, didn't like it. So 
my audience kind of associates me with, okay, if he's pitching something, it must be, it must be decent. Let's check it out. So that helps me translate into affiliate income. There's affiliate income. There's, you know, brand deals, which is probably like the biggest part of it. So, you know, brands buying like ad space, like 30 seconds to a minute of, you know, ad space on your channel. That's probably the largest part for most YouTubers is the brand deals because the brand deals can like it really racks up. And then, of course, there's like courses. You can do courses. You can sell those courses. You can sell merch. You can sell products. There's so many different things you can do. Right. And it's just a matter of kind of planning that product roadmap and see how you can fit that into your business. Yeah. So that's way more, well, especially the brand sponsorship. So that's, you know, rather than Google inserting the ads, this is like you inserting or perhaps doing a video on some product, like a paid sponsorship. Yeah. So I generally tend to do mostly like any time to do brand deals, vast majority are integrations. So what it'll be is, for example, while I'm talking, I'll be like, hey, this video is sponsored by, you know, so-and-so. And, you know, they do this, 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 this. Like, usually I, I don't give, like, my opinion on, like, sponsorship items. So I'll just say this is sponsored by them. This is what they do. And, yeah, back to the video. And that's it. Like, and for that, they're basically, it's kind of like TV. They're buying an ad space in your video. And you kind of just put that somewhere into your video. And, yeah, that tends to be a good chunk of it. So there's so much involved in the whole process of you know, running a YouTube channel, where, what would you say to someone, you know, it could be really overwhelming. So what do you say to someone starting out? They want to start a new YouTube channel. Like, should they worry about any of this business stuff or just get going? Yeah. Or maybe what would you tell yourself if you could, you know, flashback, you know, three, four years? What would you? hundred percent. What would you tell yourself? Well, I guess so. Firstly, for a new YouTuber starting out, I think the biggest, biggest trap that people get trapped in is action, right? So, the world is kind of divided into people that take action and people that don't, right? There's so many times where I've had, even myself, or like I know so many people that have had like a business idea or like a channel idea for YouTube or something or like a video idea, but they don't take action. And because of that, somebody else does it. And like years later, you're like, oh, I had that idea. I should have done that, right? But like, that's the thing. Like, if you don't take action, then you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna fail, but you're not also gonna see results, right? So, don't be afraid of failure. Like when you first start off, like people are probably, you're going to get like five clicks and eight, or like, I mean, four of those clicks are going to be your family. And like, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, right? You got to build sure. that audience. It builds small, everything builds small. And like a great book that I read that helped me out was Atomic Habits by James Charles. I think that was his name. James Clear. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Atomic Habits. That is a great yeah. book. I've also read that. Right. And in that awesome he talks book. about awesome book. so great, right? And in that he talks about how like, you know, you do little little things and that's what adds up. And you don't realize, you know, when you're doing those little things. But if you fall into the trap of thinking, hey, I'm just doing something small. I've been doing this for like two weeks, nothing has happened, then you know, it, you're gonna fall into the trap of not doing it again. You just stop doing it. So my advice for new people is stay consistent. Just pick it up. Just do it. Do what you're passionate about. Find what you're actual passionate about. Don't do something because, hey, like, you know, tech YouTube, like, you know, people, they get a lot of cool products to review. I want to do that. But if you're not interested in it, you're going to drop it like in a month, right? So do what you're passionate about. If it's cooking, then sure, do something cooking. And also try to see... This is like, if you want to really gun for it, try to see how you can be different, right? Because mm -hmm, it's one thing mm -hmm. to just start a channel and just do the same thing everyone else is doing and hope that you break through. But it's another thing to start something, but do something a little different that people start admiring more and might come to you. As for advice to myself, honestly, I would say that 
don't be afraid to seek discomfort, right? And I think that was my biggest thing growing up like you know my surroundings and like my extended family and everybody like we're very risk averse and which is ironic because my dad was complete opposite like he quit his job like his 10-year engineering job at the age of like 50 to do real estate because he wanted to be his own boss and like he had like a mortgage a family and everything he's immigrated here so i mean he doesn't have i was gonna i was gonna bring that up like if you immigrated across the world like that takes a certain certain gumption, a certain kind of person to be able 100%. to do that. that is. And I think that's also why you see so much, so many successful entrepreneurs are immigrants too. I mean, actually my, my business partner, Giovanni, he's from Italy. He's immigrated to the US, right? Like you see it time and time again, because it kind of filters for a certain kind of person. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that was an inspiration for me as well. But yeah, it's just that seek discomfort. Be like if every single day you're not or every single week you're not doing something that you're uncomfortable with, then you're not really growing. Right. That's kind of what I keep telling myself. So like even for like video ideas, like if I think of an out there idea, I'm like, man, that's going to be weird to go film that in this location. But then I'm like, okay, well, I feel uncomfortable. This should be what I should be doing, right? And then you push yourself for that. And like nine times out of 10, you're going to come out of it like being a better person. And you're going to be like, man, I'm so glad I did that. And it's going to translate into the stuff that you put out into the world as well. People are going to see that you're excited about this. You've done something like, you know, that you weren't comfortable with and you had fun doing it. So advice for me going back would be, at an earlier stage of my life, don't be afraid of, you know, getting uncomfortable. Don't be afraid of taking risks and doing something completely out of your comfort zone because you don't know where that could take you later on. But yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. And what I love about all this stuff too is it applies to all sorts of entrepreneurial or creative endeavors. Like what I'm hearing you say, I can totally mirror to our own experience like with Astropad. Yeah. And even just in life experiences, right? Like, just life like, too. Yeah, like absolutely. traveling and this and that, like so many things you could apply to. Yeah. 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 At Astropad, we've tried to make it where each project we do has been bigger. We really call it like our snowball approach. Each project we've done is bigger than the last one. You know, like we didn't start making hardware. That would have been actually insane. We probably wouldn't have succeeded had we, had we done that. But yeah. we had software background. We started with software. Okay, from software, now let's get into hardware. Okay, hardware. Now we're going cross-platform to Windows and Mac, even though we're basically all traditionally Mac people. Now we're way, you know, so totally, and that's where our biggest, it's been hard to do that, hard to do what you're saying, but definitely where we've gotten the biggest growth. Both. Worth it. Yeah. yeah, both personally, professionally, financially, all that as well is like, yeah, push, pushing that. Yeah. 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 So for a video, how much time do you spend on a typical video and what does your whole process look like? Yeah, like it really kind of varies. So like the idea generation, which I mentioned sporadic comes out of nowhere, but like I have like a list, like if I open up my phone, I have like a list of like a hundred different ideas that I want to do at some point. So like ideas, coming up with ideas is not an issue. I have like a backlog. I think my bottleneck more so is the editing. Even the filming part is exciting. Like I'm able to get through it and do everything. My bottleneck is editing because I find it very tough to sit in one spot and kind of like concentrate on getting through an edit. And even though that is probably one of the areas where most of my personality comes out, because you can film a whole bunch of stuff, but the editing is what puts the magic together and packages that, which is why like I've been 
grappling with the idea of trying to hire like an editor or an assistant to help me out with just because, you know, I'm doing like, I got three kids. I'm doing this full-time job. I have freelance gigs that I'm doing and plus trying to balance this YouTube channel. It's way too much for me. So like, and as my kids grow older, they're getting more demanding. They need more of my time. And honestly, like having an editor would make such a big difference, but it makes, it really kills me because that's where a lot of my personality comes into it. So I guess what a lot of people say, like large YouTubers have had the same dilemma, right? Like people like Peter McKinnon and people that like, you know, have huge followings and a lot of their edits also come out in their personality. It's just finding the right editor that kind of somewhat syncs with you. And then that feedback back and forth to try to tweak it to get to exactly where your vision is. So I think I'm, I'm kind of going through that process right now. I'm trying to look for somebody that I can work with, but that's my biggest bottleneck, I'd say. But my process wise, I think the whole thing takes about like filming, a lot less idea generation was like a couple hours, shot list, couple hours. Filming takes, uh, depending on the type of shoot, like if I'm going outside or doing anything, anywhere from like an hour for like a really quick video where I just need to cover like an event or something like that to, you know, three hours, four hours, five hours, depending on what kind of stuff I'm filming. And then the edit, it takes me quite some time. It's about like seven to eight hours, nine hours sometimes. Yeah. And then of course it's not done there. And then the photo, the thumbnail. So designing the thumbnail takes a couple hours and then like editing it and everything like that. And then the whole marketing aspect of it, right? Once you yeah, upload to which YouTube. I, yes, yeah. I'd love to hear about this too. Yeah, yeah, what does that look like for you? So that's like, so you upload to YouTube and then it's kind of just like, so I kind of do a little bit of homework before I do the video itself. I come up with the video title and stuff like that. So I'll kind of go on like Google Trends, see what's trending, see what kind of wording makes sense, what kind of videos are doing well on YouTube. So there's a little bit of research and homework that you have to do. Once I have that and then I find out what video idea I want to do, I also like sometimes bouncing that idea off of some friends of mine that are in the creative space that are more successful than me. So I'm like, hey, I had this idea, I had this title, what do you think? And then get their feedback. And then the whole thumbnail aspect, title aspect is the biggest thing. And then there's like tags coming up with nice tags for YouTube to try to like, I mean, understand what people might be searching for, what people might click on. And then even placing, for example, end screen, what videos do you want on your end screen? Like, what do you mm -hmm. think people mm -hmm. are going to continue clicking on? all of that and then packaging it. And then once I upload it, then, you know, marketing it on my Twitter, marketing on my Instagram, trying to post clips of it on like TikTok, like, which I'm just getting dabbling into right now. But Instagram and Twitter are like two places where I like, you know, I've built a good relationship with a whole bunch of people there as well. So I like posting there, like my photos, some, you know, clippets of my video that helps quite a bit as well. But that's the thing, like in today's day and age, you can't just rely on one social media. You have to leverage Instagram. You have to leverage Twitter. You have to leverage all of these different aspects because they all kind of work together to build that brand, right? Even for you guys, I'm assuming from like Astropad, like I've seen you guys, you know, like stuff on Instagram, on Twitter and stuff like that. So you have to have multiple representations everywhere to kind of build that brand. Otherwise, just having one faucet like YouTube is just not enough. So yeah, and then of course, I totally forgot like the whole brand aspect of it, right? Like brands reaching out to you, you got to like, you know, email them and like work with right. them, negotiate rates. That stuff takes a lot of time too, because especially once you get to a certain level, like at this point, like I'm getting at least like 10 to 20 brand emails every single day, right? Wow. And a lot of these though are given like people like, you know, smaller, smaller companies like, or like Amazon resellers that are sure. just trying to get airtime. Right. But it's like, you have to sift through a lot, try to maintain a lot of relationships. And so there's a, 
a lot that goes into it that that you know people don't realize they're like oh you're just a youtuber just making youtube videos no you're like a you're not like your marketer you're a brand manager you are a producer a filmmaker an editor you're a mar- like you're doing everything basically from start to finish right so there's a lot of hats you got to wear yeah you're like a full creative agency yeah yeah i mean in exactly. every aspect of it and that seems like another area too that i'm guessing others hire out for to have somebody as kind of like a administrator kind of contact person to work with brands and and deal with a lot of that that aspect oh yeah of oh yeah well. yeah so i think usually youtubers when they grow to a certain level they first go for an editor once they get the editor if, once they continue growing then they the next thing like you said is they get a manager right somebody that can manage all these brand deals and partnerships and everything like that and kind of lay it out for the actual person to do, so they can just focus on creating the content and thinking and all that stuff so yeah, no, I think manager is a really important position as well. Like some of these big YouTube channels like Linus Tech Tips or MK. MKBHD. Yeah, thank you. How many people do you think are at these these kind of places once you get to that level? Oh, I mean, they're like enormous a- with millions of millions of followers. Like what? How big are those teams behind the scenes, you think? Pretty big, pretty big. So I know like, honestly, I don't want to quote, but like I know MKBHD, for example, has like a solid maybe five guys or something like that that are working for him and kind of just you know helping him build and recreate and make whatever he needs to make like whatever his ideas are and put them on paper and to actually create it so i know like once you get to that certain level you gotta you gotta get help because it's it's just way too much to manage on your own and like you know mkbhd is like like cream of the crop like he's like yeah probably yeah. the number one tech youtuber in the world so yeah he's who apple goes to now yeah exactly everyone yeah again which points to the scale of youtube now it's like when apple's got a new product they're like okay you know let's go to let's go to youtube oh yeah yes i think yeah definitely like the value is definitely there for brands and they're starting to see that more and more and i think yeah i think that's where the future is headed because that's where attention is right wherever attention is that's where the money's going to follow nobody's really watching like traditional media as much anymore right like even if you want to show watch a show honestly i can't remember like at all the last time i turned on the tv thinking hey i want to watch this show if i want to watch something i go on netflix or like you know like crave or something like that or youtube right and that's you just get on demand whatever you want to watch like nobody's watching like television so i think all of those ad dollars are slowly starting to trickle now towards youtube because people are realizing that's where the attention is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 no it makes it makes total sense so with all the things you're talking about, how do you manage your time? I mean, you talked a bit about this earlier, but like today, like this sounds like an enormous amount of work between the YouTube channel, the freelance stuff you get going on, your day job, kids, all this. How do you how do you make it, especially the the family part? I'm I'm curious too because, as I mentioned earlier, I forget if we were recording or not. I've got two kids of my own, and always trying to figure out how to make that balance of family time and also work on a business, work on my business as it's growing. And it's yeah, not easy. <laughs> it's not. And, <laughs> and honestly, this is like, I, I guess I don't mind sharing, but like, it's something that I definitely struggle with, right? And it's not something that I've figured out myself. I find it, and I think this is, it's not only the key to successful entrepreneurship, but it's also the biggest downfall of successful entrepreneurship is that being able to disconnect yourself from the business, right? And I struggle with that so hard because even when I finish work from here, after pulling like crazy hours and whatnot, 
when I'm at home, like I can't, like it's so tough for me to turn it off and, you know, be present with the family and stuff like that. So it's something I definitely struggle with. And it's something that, you know, like my wife's great. Like she's very understanding of me taking away so much time in order to build all of this. So it takes time. I think you have to, and it's something that I'm trying to do myself is like build certain habits that help. Like for example, staying away from my phone helps quite a bit for me. Mm, So I try to not keep it near me. When I go home, I try to just put it like on like a dressing table and like don't 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 go near it. I think stuff like doing those kind of habits because it's very tough for you to just tell your brain, hey, don't think about it, right? Because it's not gonna do that. Like my brain will constantly keep thinking about it. But when it thinks about it, at least I don't want to introduce new things that will add to it. Like so for like for example, if somebody tweets something or a new email from a client that comes like, you know, at midnight. I just don't want to introduce new information to my brain. So just try to deal with whatever's in there right now. So I think that's an area that I struggle with, but it's also an area that is very important. So what I keep reminding myself is how much, I guess, my, you know, like my kids need me, my family needs me and everything like that. Right. And that helps me kind of detach from this when I'm at home. So it's tough, but I think it's it's a balancing act and it's something that is going to be different for every family and it's going to be different for every couple, right? Like it's a conversation that I definitely needed to have with my wife. Like if I just started doing this, it wouldn't work, right? Like it's something that we kind of got to establish some ground rules ahead of time. Scheduling helps a ton. So if my wife knows like Saturday evening, I'm going to be working then she can plan ahead of time and see if she can get some help with the kids and whatnot. And so I think that's, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No easy, no easy answers, no, no silver bullets. But that was, yeah, the scheduling that uh, you said, putting your phone to the side. I definitely agree with that too. Like definitely putting, putting the phone to the side not having the kids see you on the phone all the time. That's something I can be guilty of myself as well. And you're like, oh, that's interesting tweet. Oh, look at that article. Mm, Exactly. What is this? Oh, now now you're down a rabbit hole real fast. (laughs) Real, real fast. Or for us, Slack, we do so much of our company stuff over Slack. It's like I can get sucked into Slack super, super fast. Oh, there's a notification. Oh, I better go see what this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's good. That's good advice. That's good advice. So are there any other creators that really inspire you that that you think we should check out? So for me, like, I guess my biggest inspiration starting out was Casey. Mm -hmm. And I think even if somebody goes back and kind of just watches his old vlogs, like his journey, it's super inspiring. Like, it's very exciting. It was an exciting time of YouTube. I think right now, that sort of excitement is kind of, it's not like, it's more education based now. Like there's not a lot of people vlogging like their lives and stuff like that now. But I think people that really inspire me, for example, so Casey, Sam Calder, Peter McKinnon, Jonathan Morrison in the tech space. I think he's great. Like he's he's always oh, yeah. been. He's, yeah. He covered us as well. Such a nice guy. We... Yeah. He is one of the nicest guys like, you know, I've had the pleasure of interacting with. And he does a lot of stuff that is like, you know, like that is unique new and different. And that's what I kind of like. I think, yeah, off the top of my head, like I, I like are there other people like Mark Rober and stuff. So one thing like that you'll notice, like most of the people I mentioned are not in the tech space. So that's another thing that like, it's like, it's better, at least for me to, and that's what a lot of people in, in YouTube will say is if you don't watch too many videos of people in your same niche, because then you get several problems introduced into the mix. One is your uh, uniqueness or your genuinity kind of starts fading away a little bit because you're like, hey, 
like they did it this way, maybe I have to do it that way. And you start using the same talking points and you start doing the same things. And, and then suddenly now you're just another tech YouTuber, right? So that's one problem. And the other problem is you start playing this comparing game with like, as with like any business, but it's the same thing with YouTube. Like you both might put out a video and then you're like, oh man, like how did his do so well? And then you go down this rabbit hole where you're trying to like dissect their video when you should be dissecting yours and kind of like working on your stuff. And, you know, it's also not good for like your mental health because you kind of get lost in that comparing game. So yeah, I generally tend to not watch a lot of tech YouTube. I like to watch other stuff so that, you know, when I do tech stuff, it's just my own, like stuff that's just coming straight out of my head. Oh yeah, that's great advice. Keep a fresh, fresh perspective. Yeah. It's easy to look, make something that looks like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. When, you're, yeah. when your inputs are, are the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm, it totally, mm-hmm. totally makes sense. I've also heard that maybe it was even James Clear who we were talking about earlier. I forget. There was somebody who was saying like, don't read the same books as everybody else. Oh, you know? that's a good it was one like, too. Yeah. You're going to have the same ideas if you're all reading the same thing. If you're all reading the, you know, whatever, whatever you're into, if it's business books, nonfiction, if you're, you know, like... Go down some of those weird paths. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Find, those, find those new ideas, which is, which is great. Great. Well, yeah, so if people want to check out your stuff, where should they look to find you online? Sure, yeah. Like my channel is just by my name, Tasif Hussain, T-A-U-S-I-F, because the first one is like it's, yeah, people are not able to spell it out when I say it. So, and then last name is Hussain, H-U-S-S-A-I-N. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, just starting out TikTok, which I'm still trying to figure out. It doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, and I'm very, so like YouTube, I kind of just used to post my videos and stuff like that. Like if you leave comments there, I generally read them. But if you want to interact with me, I'm very active on Twitter. And then second, I'd say Instagram as well. So yeah. And both of those are like by my name as well. So it's just my name on all platforms. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for chatting today, Tasif. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. Yeah, I was looking forward to this. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah. Take care. I look forward to checking out more great videos. (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, Matt. All right. Bye now. Bye.